Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, including our recent coverage of Sea Otter and a whole bunch more over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so our guest this week is Chelsea Kimball, who has made a real splash in the women's freeride scene in a very short time, and she's taken kind of an unconventional path to getting there. And so we sat down with Chelsea to talk about what she's been up to, including Freeride Fiesta, where she has been the last couple of years and really made an impression on Yoan Borelli this last year, Dark Fest, where she is currently part of the first class of women to be participating there, and a whole bunch more. And along the way, we get into it about van life and the state of women's freeride and a bunch of other random fun stuff, too. So let's get right to my conversation with Chelsea. Well, Chelsea, great to have you on. How are you today and where are you today? Thank you. I'm doing really well. I'm currently sitting outside of a hotel in Laverton, Utah. Um, I came down into town because I don't get service in Virgin and it's pretty windy. So I'm trying to hide from that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, appreciate the efforts for audio quality here and it's sounding good on my end. So I think they've been successful. And yeah, we'll get into the van life stuff in a little bit here but before we do i guess just would love to hear a little bit about how you got into mountain biking in the first place because your story of getting introduced to mountain biking is one of the best ones i've heard in a while so i think we (laughs) ought to share that with everybody else all right so in um well i mean it kind of started on a farm in southern california i met uh, a girl named cj selig and we became friends. We were both volunteering there on on that farm and ended up, uh, basically we both ended up after we left the farm, uh, we went to Big Bear, California, where we were both broke and she proceeded to get a job at a bike shop and then fell in love with biking and reluctantly I got into it with her. I saw something somewhere about you first hearing about mountain biking, hitchhiking back to the Midwest somewhere though. Oh yeah. Um, so the, let's see the winter, I was going back to my grandparents' house for Christmas and, uh, I love adventure. So I decided to hitchhike back there. Uh, and I was leaving, uh, Mesa, Arizona. And the first ride that I got out of town was a, it was like a white suburban or something. And it was just one guy. He picked me up. I got in, um, and I was like, oh, well, of course, before I got in, I was kind of asking where I was going. But I look back and there's a bike in the back of the SUV and I was just, he said he was going mountain biking in Gold Canyon at the edge of town. And I was just like, huh, I didn't know people ride bikes on hiking trails. So when would that have been? That was uh, December of 2012. Okay. So then you're working on this farm. You, as you put it, reluctantly started riding a mountain (laughs) bike and what yeah given that reluctance what sort of clicked about it what really drew you in at that point well i was a rock climber mainly and uh, i absolutely loved rock climbing and i wanted to keep doing that i had goals of like climbing really big stuff um be- so i i mountain biked and i would do it pretty often but it was always like a secondary thing if i had my first choice and had a climbing partner i'd be out there rock climbing um so I think I'm after 
let's see, it was 2015. And my friend and I had been training to climb El Capitan in Yosemite. And after that is basically when I started mountain biking more. I think uh, I just decided I wanted to change and see what mountain biking could do for me. Yeah, it's been a pretty rapid rise for you since then. But I guess I'd be curious to hear some more about what drove that just desire to do something different and mix it up if you had been climbing for so long that that had kind of been your thing. And what about mountain biking was it that made that really start to click and made that feel like the thing that you wanted to pursue more aggressively? Hmm, I think it was probably racing. I was living in Colorado at the time in Summit County, which is like Breckenridge, Frisco, Colorado area. And uh, uh, let's see, I was working. What was I doing for work that summer? I can't remember what I was doing for work that summer, but I, oh, I was cleaning vacation houses, but I was like, I'm close to Winter Park. I'll enter this summer downhill race series and I'm pretty competitive. So after I started racing that on my like 2001 Foes LTS bike, uh, I loved it. And I like, yeah, I raced that whole series. And then I think the following summer is like when I like went to pro category and I drove out to the East coast for the summer to race the Eastern States cup. And so you're racing downhill here, right? Yep. I guess for one, that's a, an awfully quick turnaround to just racing pro from having not been doing too much mountain biking for very long. But, uh, (laughs) so how did those early races go? You know, if you haven't been riding, for super long up to this point and you're showing up and pretty quickly racing pro DH. Like what was that early experience like and how'd those first few races go? Uh, my first few races, I was in cat one and I did pretty well. Like I'd consistently podium. Um, and I think you kind of have to, to upgrade to pro through USAC, but I think for women, it's much, much easier than for men to get that pro upgrade. Um, so that, definitely had an effect on me like I could race cat one one year and then the following year enter pro so I'm pretty lucky in that way and I guess most women are but that also means there is less competition so you have a wider range of abilities and uh yeah I think at that point I was just riding a ton so I started improving more I'd ride like cross-country trails around a Breckenridge area and then I'd go to the bike park every weekend so the more you ride, the better you get. It does tend to help. Yeah. And <laughs> through all this, I mean, as we are kind of touched on, you've been just doing the van life thing for kind of maybe a little bit before that started to be quite as trendy as it has become. And <sighs> how did that all get started for you? And kind of where are some of the favorite places that that has taken you? Mm, that's kind of an interesting story, too. I was... I had moved to Los Angeles because at that point I wanted to party and like go to raves all the time, go to Hollywood and party, which was awesome. But I was working at Walmart overnight and I was sick of living in the city and paying rent. So I decided, well, it actually came through an internet search. I was searching like how to travel with little money 
And I think I searched the word vagabond and then it said something about like, oh, you can get a vehicle and travel. And so that, yeah, that was back in 2010 or 11. I bought my first Chevy Astro van and then stopped renting a room, stayed working at Walmart for a few more months and then and then went off on my merry way. And just been at it ever since. Been at it ever since. I'm on my second Astro van, and I absolutely love it. Okay, let's talk more about the Astros then. If you're you're on to number two, <laughs> so what is the uh, what's the strong appeal there? Well, it's all wheel drive. Number one, uh, it's small enough to go on narrow roads and under low trees, and it's not as affected by the wind as those tall vans. It's cheap. My, I got my first one for like $1,800 with relatively low miles for a, an older van. And they're super reliable. Like the only issues I've ever really had is like replace one radiator um, and the fuel pumps. Some of them have problems with fuel pumps. But otherwise, like they're pretty reliable. And that means a lot as well as like finding parts everywhere. If it does break down, I can just go to a junkyard and get whatever I need. Right. A lot to be said for that. And I've kind of had uh, DIY versions out of a couple of different pickups with a cap over the years and not doing anything like full time. But it's always just seemed to me like the really big sprinters and the like, you know, you've got certainly if you really throw a ton of money at it, you can have something that's super decked out with all kinds of luxuries and comfort and amenities and whatnot. But it's also just such a big thing to be driving and dealing with crosswinds and taking it down little forest service roads and all the rest. And there's a lot of said for something a little bit smaller and more bare bones. So good on you for that, I think. And <laughs> I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm impressed that you've kept it up for, for as long as you have in, in something that small, because I've done a month or two out of, out of a truck, but not ever more than that. And some point you start wanting a little more room and a, and a new a clean shower and all the rest. So it's it's <laughs> impressive to to kind of have the just let stuff go and have the person parents to, to keep at that. Yep, I I've actually it, I'm sure it helps that I'm only five feet tall. If I was six foot tall, it may not work as well. But I can I can climb easily from the front to the back. So being short helps. That's a fair point. I am six feet tall, and um, that probably is a little little tougher on that one. So tell us about how the whole kind of like what your typical year looks like. You know, you're, you're sort of untethered with this whole van situation and kind of just have the ability with that to move around fairly freely. So how do you like to structure your time and where you're choosing to stay given that flexibility? Uh, well, the like winters I love to spend here in Virgin. I think 2017 was my first year coming here. Um, I first came for a few days in April uh, to meet what who is my boyfriend now, Ryan. Um, and then I, I fell in love with it. And and I, I was like, well, I'm going to come back and live here in the winter. And I have uh, every winter since then. So I'm always here in the winter. And then in the summer, it really varies. Uh, it depends on if I have to work or not and just kind of where I want to be. 
the last two summers, I've spent most of the time in Park City, Utah. Uh, so this year is definitely going to be a little different. I'm traveling a lot more, and uh, it's the first year that I don't have to work a normal job. So it'll be crazy. Yeah, well, a few things to get into there. So for one, talked about Virgin. Probably most people who are listening to this, the first thing that comes to mind hearing Virgin is Rampage. And, you know, given that it's been the site for or near the site for for Rampage for as long as that's been going. And so and you've just become a lot more known for free riding of late. You know, yeah, you're starting racing and still doing a bit of that. We'll touch on that in a few here. But was it that trip to Virgin that really kind of got you fired up about the more free ride side of things? Or where did that start along this whole progression for you? Yeah, I really think it was, well, a combination, that trip to Virgin in April of 2017. And then that's also the summer that I went out east to race my first season in the professional category. So it was a combination of the two. I think I came out here and I just loved the area, the dirt and like the opportunities for for learning jumping and drops and stuff. And then that summer when I went out east, like I also rode bike parks a ton I lived right near Caddy Woods in Pennsylvania. So I learned a ton about building jumps and riding steep jumps. And I think that whole summer, I just progressed a ton just because I was riding a ton, all sorts of kinds of riding. And then that's what really sparked my interest in the the jumping. And like, if I'm good at something, I definitely like it more. (laughs) It does tend to help. Yeah. I just find it amazing that you know, you've been obviously you've been riding a lot now, but at this point, you've only been riding for a few years and then showing up in Virgin and being like, hell yeah, I, I can hit a bunch of this stuff and just started getting <laughs> after it. Like, I've, I haven't ridden out there very much, but I've I've been around a little bit and it, it's big, burly terrain, obviously. And what was it like just sort of showing up there and kind of looking up at the hills and starting to tick stuff off the list. How did that all go? It's terrifying. When I first came, like, and believe me, when I first came, I didn't just come and ride stuff. I had the worst crash of my whole life. That trip, that like the short two day trip, um, hiking up the ridges is absolutely terrifying, especially your first time, because the view, when you're looking down the ridge, it's just, every drop is blind. Even if it's only two feet, the landing is steep after and you're like, I'm just going to launch off the end of the earth here. Um, And then if you think about crashing, like if you crash, you're just going to keep tumbling down. So it's yeah, it's really, really terrifying. And yeah, that first trip, I my worst crash, without really knowing how to jump, I decided to hit the small step up of what we call the bazette jumps. And it's probably a, it's a pretty steep jump, maybe a 15 foot gap, a step up. Uh, And I, I was there, like had never really jumped a jump like that before, but I was all hyped up and wanted to go for it. Went in way too fast, like must've caved on the lift and got bucked over the bars and landed flat, like straight to my face and chest. Antoine Bazette was there. Uh, my boyfriend Ryan and then uh, his friend DJ and they were all they were so worried they actually made me go to the hospital because I spat up a little bit of blood but then 
and nothing came of it but yep that's quite an introduction to to virgin but then yeah maybe overcommitted a little on that one but then <laughs> something something sparked for you and you you came back and have kept at it so what kind of what were the next steps of just getting kind of learning the ropes a bit better and you know obviously what we'll get into here you clearly have kind of got some stuff figured out and are hitting a ton of really really <laughs> huge shit now so what was the progression like from not really knowing what you were doing there on that first hit in virgin to where you're at now yeah a lot of bike parks i think going like spinning out east there's thunder mountain highland blue mountain um platykill doesn't have any jumps but it's just fun uh mountain creek like when i was out there like just doing laps on jump trails and really any trail at a bike park is insane and then that was also my first year to whistler and if you've been to whistler like you know how incredible it is for learning to jump and uh yeah i think the more i rode bike parks the more i learned how to jump and uh that like then coming back here that winter just i came back like with whole new eyes really uh and then yeah just kept at it that uh red bull rampage everybody thinks of as just the event but it's really like the biggest free ride festival in the world like when the when the event happens there's hundreds of people camping down by the river so that means there's groups of like 10 15 people like sending a drop that is the biggest one they've ever hit so experiences like that just like add stoke and and just make it super fun to be out here and push yourself yeah i really need to actually make it out to rampage one of these years it's been on the the list for way too long and still hasn't happened yet i also just need to give a quick shout out to platykill i grew up in upstate new york and uh yeah platykill was always kind of my favorite lift serve stuff in the area so like you said not much jumping there but lots of really good just natural tech trails so which is kind of more my jam oh, yeah. and uh so shout out to platykill yep but so that all you know checks out and you're going at it pretty hard and just progressing really fast through this stage and you've been showing up to a bunch of the kind of bigger scale free ride events including um last two years of freeride fiesta if i have it right tell us mm -hmm. about those and kind of what or if i've or what your kind of first major freeride event was if it was something prior to freeride fiesta kind of how you got into that whole scene and started showing up and stuff yeah i think freeride fiesta is definitely was definitely the biggest like freeride event that i had been to um, not just in size of jumps, but in like audience and uh, riders and everything. I had done like the big white slope style in 2019, I think. Um, and a few other events, but like it's nothing compared to free ride Fiesta. Uh, and I think for Fiesta, I got I got pretty lucky because I had met uh, Johnny Salito. He rode DVO at the time and I was definitely hooked up with those guys. So I had met Johnny uh, a few years back at Crankworks and, uh, 
yeah, I was just talking to him about it. And he said that I, I could come. I was pretty amazed, really, that he would let me come without much experience and stuff that big. But he trusted me. And uh, it was such an awesome experience going out there. Like, so cool. All the people that were there were awesome. And like, there were not supposed to be uh, public days, but some of the days there were some public people that came and it was pretty cool just getting all the cheers and everything right on so right now you're talking about the 2021 iteration of it right yes yeah so then as i kind of mentioned you were back for 2022 and uh just a few weeks ago had yoan borelli on the show who was there for 2022 as well and uh well for one he just spoke super highly of the riding you were doing there and was he you were one, like the first person he gave a shout out to as being like holy shit chelsea is just sending shit which was cool but talk a little more about what the kind of progression between the two years looked like and obviously the sort of covid limited 2021 iteration was maybe a little different than what it might have been but uh it just feels like there were so many really cool free ride events of that sort of general type popping up all over the place and they're growing and developing really quickly and i'd be interested on your take on sort of what's changing on that scene a little bit yeah um let's see yeah formation i guess last or yeah last year was the second year of that which was a huge opportunity and super super cool event to be involved with and then you had well, I guess there's there's a lot of uh, non-gendered events and a lot of women's events popping up. Uh, and it's pretty awesome that we just have a lot of events in general. Uh, I did get, I did have knee surgery last year. So I couldn't, after June, I couldn't really participate in any events until like after October when I started riding again. But uh, Hannah's event in Bellingham and then uh, Casey's Dark Horse and Audi 9's like, looks like such awesome events that would be super fun. Hopefully I'll get to go this year. Yeah. I mean, there's been a ton of awesome stuff popping up. And like you said, the women's free ride scene is just absolutely blowing up. And the, some, a bunch of the stuff that's coming out of that's been awesome. Like dark horse being a really prime example, but then also we just a few days ago got the announcement that you and a, really heavy hitting group of women are going to be at dark fest this year. So one, that's awesome. Congrats Two, when did you get the invitation and kind of when did that all start coming together? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm, I can, I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be insane. Um, it started coming together. Like it's, it's pretty recent development. I've, I've been talking, uh, talking with Sam about dark fest for a little while, but it was all, it was never really a for sure thing. And then let's see, maybe two weeks ago. Now they finally got the go ahead. Uh, Veronique Sandler is actually going to be coming out with another movie. And uh, I think part of her idea involves dark fest. So that's part of the reason that we got uh, the go-ahead, and that's super exciting. Um, I can't wait to see whatever she's coming up with. But, yeah, the fact that there's five women coming to Darkfest to hit, like, D3 
these massive jumps is pretty awesome. Like, and it's super cool of Sam and everyone else that puts it on to, to let us come because we're definitely way newer than most of the athletes there. And uh, I just really appreciate being accepted to, to go. Yeah, well, we're all super excited to see you guys getting after it. And I guess I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts sort of more generally on the state of women's free ride, which has obviously grown just immensely in the last not very many years. It's really taking off very astronomically. But what I mean, I guess one just what do you think is kind of going well about the overall trajectory and progression and then to what what do you kind of want to see happen to help it continue i mean it's i really at least from where i'm sitting seems like the current trajectory is amazing and the progression that's happening has been super rapid and awesome but i guess yeah what do you think needs to happen to keep that momentum going and keep it on the current trajectory well yeah i definitely have my own point of view on everything and i can't speak for all women uh yeah, I so I think it's really awesome. There's been so many new opportunities just in the last few years that women haven't really had before. And just just like the events really and with the events, I think more mountain bike companies have gotten behind uh supporting women athletes at a higher level of of like support. Women's specific events, I think there's definitely a place for them. And I've I've had fun at the women's specific events I've been to. But I'm really, I don't like excluding the guys. I love riding with the guys and all of my friends and people that I've ridden with through my whole like mountain biking experience have been super supportive and nice. And that's the one part that I'm not the biggest fan of is excluding men because I love the dudes. They're awesome. From that, it sounds like you're pretty just pretty excited about a bunch of these events like Audi 9s last year, Dark Fest coming up this year, where it's just everyone's showing up and doing their thing. But it feels like it's getting to a point where there's really becoming some acceptance of having a bunch of the bunch of women at these mm-hmm. events, which is awesome. And uh, certainly you and Hannah Bergman and Casey Brown and Vero and a whole, you know, too many more to list have really proven that you can hang and belong at those. And so it's been super cool following along with that. But is anything else that you sort of put out there as being things that you want to see happen other than just continuing to have more events and have more women showing up at them? Uh, well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is like, I want to compete in Rampage. Like that's, I've, I love Rampage and riding out here, and that's definitely, like, one of my goals. That being said, it's not a simple thing, like, having women at Rampage. I've talked to a lot of people about it, and there's there's a lot of variables, like, do you have a women's category, or do you have women compete against men, and then, like, do women take the spots of men in competition? Like, in do you have five women there instead of having five more men there? So it's it's really tough, and I totally understand the view of a lot of people that are putting on the event. Um, and even, like, are women ready? There's a lot of us out there that are, like, considered, uh, like, top 
free ride athletes, but how, how many of the ladies actually feel like they're ready to, to sit up there in the start gate on national television and drop in on the count of three, two, one, like it's a, it's a big deal. Like rampage is serious. And, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if rampage or the women are ready yet, but it's definitely one goal of mine. Like I want to compete. That's a, that's a big one to be working up to, but you know, I got faith. I think you can pull this off. Um, what else is on the list? I mean, kind of, that's obviously you got a bunch of big stuff happening here. We already talked about dark fest. You mentioned rampage, but any other major goals that you've got kind of in the sights, whether they're relatively near term or maybe a little farther out goals. I think mainly tricks. Like I, I really feel like I need to up my trick game. I've had the same ones for a, for a year or two now. So I'm, I'm really most of my goals right now outside of, of going to events is, is just like improving and, and learning more tricks and upping, uh, upping my level of writing. And he's, specific things that are kind of on the next hit list to add to the repertoire i've got one but i kind of want it i don't know if i want to (laughs) say okay (laughs) we can keep it under wraps like there's so many tricks to learn i've wanted to learn supermans for so long or superman seat grabs and i don't there's a lot of them i got a big list okay fair enough and how about just your your plans for the next year so coming up obviously you've mentioned traveling a bit more dark fest is a part of that what else is kind of on the list at this point? Let's see. It'll be Dark Fest. Right after Dark Fest, I'm coming back for the TDS Enduro. Um, and then after that, it'll be Formation. And then I'll head to Europe for Crankworks Innsbruck. And I'm really hoping to stay in Europe for a while and go to Flat Out Days. That looked like super fun event. And then uh, if audi nine or if the nines happens and if i'm invited i'd love to participate in that event and then we got crankworks whistler and then proving grounds and the new zealand and i'm really hoping that uh the international chiang mai enduro happens in thailand it's one of my favorite races in the whole world and it it hasn't happened since covid 2019 was my last year racing there and I'm while well, my fingers are crossed that Thailand kind of opens up a little bit more and we can race. Tell us more about that. I actually have not heard of this before, but I'm super intrigued. Okay, so first off, Thailand is just an amazing country. The people are so friendly and helpful and they're just wonderful people. And then their food. I mean, I would probably go to Thailand just to eat food nonstop for a month. Um yeah, just so delicious. Mango sticky rice, mango smoothies. Then you got all sorts of stir-fried veggies and curry. Oh, man, it's yummy. Um, and then the mountain bike scene in Chiang Mai is awesome. So they have a mountain that's like 3,500 foot tall right outside the city of Chiang Mai. There's a paved road all the way to the top. There taxis in Chiang Mai are these little red trucks called like Song Taos. And basically, it costs like roughly 15 US dollars. And you can fit four people with four bikes in this truck and shuttle up to the top and ride one of like the 10 trails going down the mountain. It's it's just awesome. That sounds amazing. So you said there's an in- 
Duro race there that they well has, has been on hold from COVID. But um, how many times have you been now? Uh, I've, the first year I went mainly for rock climbing and then I've been back two more times. So this would be the third year. Okay. Wow. We're really just adding events that I need to go to onto the, the list very rapidly here. So, uh, Oh yeah. There's a big list. There is. There's a lot of cool stuff <laughs> out there. So, I mean, most of what you just listed off was free ride stuff, but you're still doing a bit of racing too. And well, I guess one, if I have it right, you were just at Windrock last weekend as of when we were recording this. So, which, uh, looks like that was a bit of an adventure tell us about how that weekend went first off i it was awesome but yeah the weather kind of threw a hitch in stuff um i yeah the first two days of practice were great we had seeding runs on friday for the downhill and and then it rained or it rained friday night and then it snowed like six inches overnight we were supposed to race on Saturday, but they canceled it, took our seating runs, which was a bummer. Um, but the one cool thing about Tennessee is that it also has a jump jam. They That's part of the reason I went out there, because they have an awesome jump jam on Friday night. And uh, it, it's like whip off and best trick, and it's a blast. So it's, it, I, yeah, I've been doing more free ride stuff. And as I found out this weekend, I'm not super competitive in the races anymore. I've been too much jumping too much, I think. But I just have a blast going to races and hanging out with people that I haven't seen in a long time and just having fun with it. So, yeah, since the downhill was canceled on Saturday, I entered the enduro the last minute because they also like made the enduro half as long as it was. So they made it three stages with less climbing. And specialized let me borrow a demo bike and basically uh got super muddy all day and had a blast <laughs> i remember just uh, kind of following along on social media from people who were there and stuff and you know it looked like practice looked awesome why they looked really nice and then all of a sudden there's six inches of snow on the ground and pits got destroyed and it was uh quite a reversal there one thing that we've talked about with a bunch of people on the show over the last while, including Casey Brown and Vero, who and Hannah Bergerman, who have felt like kind of Casey, especially as she was coming up, just felt like there weren't all that many opportunities for her to get herself introduced to the bike world as a female free rider. And she felt like she had to start as a racer prove herself there and then once she was an established pro mountain biker she could then pivot into doing more free ride stuff which is really kind of what she wanted to be doing the whole time along she's talked really well about not really having the kind of right mindset and just not her heart not totally being in racing but it being the path forward for her and it seems like that has changed a whole bunch sort of since Casey was coming up, you know, some years ago. And um, there are a lot of people like yourself who are kind of doing a bit of both and dabbling in racing, but able to kind of make a go of it mostly as a free rider without having to, you know, you, you have raced a fair bit as well. But it just seems like the pathways into becoming a pro rider are evolving. And I'm curious kind of how it's felt like 
do you feel like you kind of had to do anything in particular to get yourself established or was it just sort of a more organic pathway where you could kind of do the stuff that you were most excited about and whatever that might be, there's a way to prove yourself at it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot in that question, but let's see. I, um, so for path for like becoming a press professional free rider, sounds like it has changed a bunch. Casey and Vera both have raced world cups and done that whole circuit. And, uh, that is way more intense racing than I have ever done. Um, and let's see, I, I really feel like I am kind of getting to this level at the perfect time. I, cause I think it has been way harder in the past and it's pushed people to go into racing and then to free ride. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm just really lucky with my timing that this does seem to kind of be the heyday or like the first heyday of women's free ride where maybe it's easier to get exposure um, as a free rider and maybe not just women, maybe it is for men as well. Uh, but let's see, it's also the shift to, from like having to be a racer versus a free rider probably, or maybe has changed with social media as well. Maybe it's not just the women in free riding getting more exposure maybe since instagram and personal social media has become much more valuable over the last certain years uh it's made it a lot more possible for one person no matter where they live to to get exposure doing what they love whether that is racing or free ride yeah i think there probably is something to that and Especially on the women's side, it's probably a bit of both that and people like Casey and Vero and so on, just kind of establishing women's free ride as a discipline, as a thing. And they've done a whole lot to to pave a pathway there, too, I think. But I think you're I think you're totally right that just the advent of social media has made it more possible for people, whoever, to put themselves out in the world as free riders making videos and showing them doing cool stuff on a bike rather than having to have race results be the way that you establish yourself as someone who's got some bike skills. That's definitely changed quite a bit. So it's just interesting to see how these, how these things go. And uh, I mean, kind of, do you have too many more race goals or aspirations for the next few years? You've mentioned that you're going to do a handful here, but mostly focusing on free ridings there kind of where's your head at on that yeah i i want to race just because i enjoy it uh like i said like i didn't do very well at all in either the tennessee enduro or downhill but i i'm lucky lucky enough to be able to go to those races for fun and to enjoy it rather than like needing the result to continue with what i'm doing in mountain biking so, yeah, I don't really have any race goals other than go race and have a good time and try to go faster. Uh, and all of my goals are really ser- more serious goals are in free ride. Definitely. Yeah, fair enough. Just interesting to kind of hear your hear your thoughts and what your goals are there. And uh, certainly that list of stuff on the free ride side is plenty long and impressive. So that seems fair enough to have have racing be a little more for fun. 
this has been a ton of fun and really appreciate you chatting. But before we let you go, we do like to wrap by just asking our guests if they've got a big idea to share. The show is called Bikes and Big Ideas, after all. So anything you want to throw out here? And it could be truly anything goes serious or silly. Just any final parting thoughts for us, I guess. Uh, yeah, let's let's see if I can word something nicely. I think uh, for any writer that is aspiring to progress, um, just make sure your goals are for yourself and not to to gain in popularity or to gain money or anything. Just make sure your goals are to make yourself happy. And I think as long as you're making yourself happy, whatever happens will be a good a good result. Like. Maybe you're still going to be broke, but as, as long as you're, yeah, maybe you're trying to do something, it doesn't work, but as long as you do your best and like do it for yourself and not for others, I think you'll, you'll be better off. That's a solid one. Yeah. Just <laughs> doing stuff that your heart's not really in just cause it feels like what you need to be doing is not a, not a path for long-term happiness. So yeah, I like it. Chelsea, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on and just good luck with everything this year and super excited to see Dark Fest and all the rest. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you're enjoying the show, then we'd really appreciate it if you'd take a minute to leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. I also want to say thanks to Chelsea for the conversation, thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll talk to you again real soon.